I want to talk this morning, this Easter morning, on the subject of when dreams die. <laughs> this may seem like an unlikely sermon for Easter morning, a sermon title, but I hope you sense its aptness before the last amen. For the message about Easter is not just resurrection, but death and resurrection. You can't have the second without the first, both temporally and logically. The, the cross gives meaning to what the resurrection is, is about. So you can't have the resurrection without death, and this applies to more than just bodily death. I want to apply it to the death of dreams as well. I started thinking about this actually a couple weeks ago as we were finishing our, our sermon series on the book of Ruth. I began to put myself in Naomi's sandals, as it were, and I wonder if you'd be doing, willing to do the same for a few minutes. Naomi, in chapter one of this book, is surrounded by death. And she even interprets God as the one who's brought some of it about. She had left with her husband Elimelech, Israel, to live in the land of Moab for a while. Perhaps she thought it was a chance to settle down and start again in a new land with her family. In any case, she soon faces tragedy. Her husband dies in that land and is buried there. Fortunately, she still has two sons. They marry Moabite women and her hope is renewed, but then the sons also die in the land of Moab. Worse, even though they were married to these Moabite women for 10 years, no grandchild has been produced who could provide joy and security and life in Naomi's old age. She looks around at the land of Moab, and all she can see is death. Her husband is dead. Her sons are dead. Her grandchildren unborn. And her dreams of settling into old age with her husband on her side and children and grandchildren before her, that dream was dead and buried. And she goes back to Israel, saying, don't call me uh, Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, because God's made my life bitter. But when God is in the picture, dead and buried are not the last words. Naomi, you remember, is brought from emptiness, from fullness to fullness, from bitterness to pleasantness, from life to death. And we see God doing all this, working all this through this young Moabite daughter-in-law that she has, Ruth. And she finds herself at the end of the story, settled into the home of Ruth and Boaz, with Obed, her grandson, on her lap. And we even find her, we see her, though she couldn't see herself yet. We see her as the great-great-grandmother of King David himself, more as the ancestor of no less than Jesus the Christ. You see, when God's in the picture, dreams that die can resurrect into something far, far better and far more glorious. You know, to the followers of Christ 2,000 years ago, those 11 disciples and a handful of women, the death of Jesus must have meant the death of their dreams. For three years, for three years, they had followed this man, leaving everything behind. They had followed this teacher, this hero, this healer, this miracle worker, and he had led them to a deeper understanding of life, of love, of God. They had seen, they had seen him walk on water. They had seen him feed 
5,000 people from the packed lunch of a boy. They had seen the faces of joy and wonder, amazement at the people who had been healed. They had seen demons flee at his command. More. They had heard words of such love and power and wisdom that they knew this could only come from a man sent from God. And they all made their confession. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And they had their dreams of Jesus coming to restore this nation of Israel to what it could be, to what it should have been. And they, by his side, as he ruled over this land and brought prosperity and glory and justice to it. And then, it died. That dream died on that ugly Roman cross where he died. Somehow, in some way, they've gotten it terribly wrong, completely wrong. Jesus would not ascend in raid. He would be tortured and killed. His kingdom was a pipe dream. The only crown he would wear was a crown of thorns, and they were dupes for believing any of it. Their dream was as dead as the body of Jesus. But strange things happen when God's in the picture, right? Strange, wondrous, glorious things. Think. The body of Jesus, laying cold against the cold stone, begins to warm. The heart begins to flutter. The body starts to breathe. The sinews and muscles are stirred and warm. The mind awakened. The heart begins to beat stronger. He is alive. Jesus Christ died and is alive. More. His resurrection body is, is greater by far than anything that came before. It could move through doors or locked doors or or walls. It could reveal or conceal its nature as needed. It would never suffer age or decay. But even more than this, they realized that Jesus, by conquering death and accepting all the evil and all the violence poured out upon him as a sacrifice for our sins, by doing this, he now stood among his disciples. But he was not just the king of Israel. He was the king of all creation the Lord of heaven and earth. Their seed, or their dream was a seed. And as the oak is greater than the acorn, so the kingdom of God was greater than all their previous understanding of that kingdom, their previous dream. And it was only in the death of that dream that the oak could grow. This is the way of God. When God is in the picture, something has to die for this life, this kind of life to begin. I came across this picture not too long ago. Actually, it was this morning while I was looking things up for the sermon. Um, won't lie. I, but it's the first picture I'd seen of a caterpillar on the same leaf as an adult monarch. What do you think that caterpillar, if he could look, I don't know what their vision is like or what their mind processes, but if, if he could look at that, if you could see their process, what do you think he would think of that? Would not he imagine it was a completely different and alien species, not recognizing his own future? Because that's what happens. 
when a caterpillar like this goes into that chrysalis, it dies, literally. Its, its body becomes a, a gooey pulp. And somehow out of that, because God has, has instructed it this way, out of that mess comes this, a different kind of life, inhabiting a whole sphere that was unknown to this caterpillar before. This is the way of God. You know, when dreams die, they can be resurrected. That's what Naomi saw. That's what the disciples and the women saw. I wonder if that's not even true of God himself. Is it too much to say that God had a dream of living with mankind in beauty, harmony, trust, righteousness, with us being his true imagers over all creation? Is it too much to say that that dream died in the garden? And yet here we are. God began to restore all things, and he began on Easter morning. Good dreams never die entirely. They are simply resurrected as something different and something better. I wonder who needs to think about that. Who needs to choose to believe that this morning? I wonder... Who here is in mourning, however deep about the death of a dream? Perhaps like Naomi, it's a dream of your family life turning out a certain way. It's not a bad, selfish dream. It's a dream full of love and rightness, but it's dead or looks headed towards death. Perhaps it's a dream of marriage or children in your future. That's a good dream, a godly dream, but the years advance and the dreams seems to fade. Maybe you're intermarried. Maybe you're intermarried, but it's not nearly what you dreamed it might be. It's not what you hoped, not what you thought it would be. Perhaps there is a dream within you to accomplish something, to use the way that God has shaped and formed and gifted you to make a difference in this world and to show yourself and everyone else what, you, what God has made you. But it doesn't seem like the world is changing or anyone is noticing. Maybe it's a dream to have security and options in the later years of your life. Maybe it's a dream for you or someone you love to live in health. And your dream is dead. Or headed that way. What do you do? Here's what you do. You hope in the resurrection. For God is in the picture. And like Ruth, like the disciples, like God himself, your dreams are dead. You have, you're in good company here, right? You are in excellent company. Like Ruth, like the disciples, like God himself, you find that God dreams never stay dead. They are resurrected as something better, something different, something better by far, but more than we can understand at the moment. Just like that caterpillar cannot understand the life of the butterfly. Now, let me get personal here. Most of you know I'm not speaking as someone unacquainted with the sorrowful death of a dream. Two years ago, our son Joe, after a brief but intense mental illness, took his life. Obviously, this was the exact opposite of our dream for him and our dream of a life with him. We desired, we dreamed, of seeing him settle down into a relationship with Christ that grew over the years a fulfilling way to serve the world with the very unique and wondrous ways that God had 
shaped him, a family to love and to nourish. We desire that both for him and for ourselves, of course. And there was nothing wrong with that dream. But that dream died two years ago today, April 4th. And if God is not in the picture, if he's a make-believe deity or an absent landlord, then the best that we are able to do, best we can do is lower our hopes and expectations and get on, get on enjoying life as best we're able. But God is in the picture. Amy and I and our family believe this with every fiber of our being. We have seen his hand at work in a thousand ways, even in our tragedy. So we do not lower our expectations, we raise them. We take heart and we learn wisdom from the story of Naomi, the stories of the disciples. When God is in the picture, death is not the end. It's the beginning to something new and something better. Our dreams for Joe were not wrong, hardly. But they were limited. Limited to the things that we see and can picture in this life. God has plans and dreams and purposes for Joe's life to go far beyond what we could picture. And he has that for us as well. And that's what we set our hopes on. That his dreams for Joe and his dreams for us are good. Better than we can understand. Better than we can see now. We dream the acorn, but God has planted the oak. Listen, Satan will not have the last word. Death will not have the last word. Evil will not have the last word. God gets the last word. And his word is love, and his word is life. And Easter tells us not even death will interfere with what God is going to do. There is an amazing statue in a place called Valladolid, Spain, commemorating the death of Christopher Columbus, a Spaniard, in 1506. In, a, in Spain, of course, the, the very western edge of the Mediterranean Sea, beyond that in the ancient world, there was just this vast, unending ocean, right, to the west. So the motto of Spain, as they had that land there at the very west edge of civilization, throughout most of the Middle Ages, was ne plus ultra in Latin, no more beyond. You actually see that on this monument. You see that here. But there's a very interesting detail you may have noticed. There's a lion right here. What's he doing? He's tearing down the words, non plus ultra. He's already got the first N off, and he's going for the rest. What are they saying? They're saying that they're commemorating Christopher Columbus because he showed them that there was more beyond. And I think it's very appropriate that that's a lion there, by the way, because the lion of the tribe of Judah has done this more than just geographically, but in every sense of the word, he has shown us that there is more beyond. Death is not the end. The death of our body, the death of our loved ones, the death of our dreams is not the end. There is something beyond, something wondrous, something great, Easter has shown that. Death, Satan will not have the last word. So we come back to this question. Do you have dreams that have died or are, or are dying like leaves on a severed branch? What wisdom does the resurrection speak into how you respond to that? Listen, I, I can't tell you how those dreams will turn out. I'm not a prophet. 
I'm, I'm a pastor, your pastor, who has seen death, the death of a dream, and found hope, life-giving hope in the resurrection. The resurrection means that not only will our son live again, but our dreams for him and about him will live again in a different and better way. And that is true for your dreams. That is true for your goals, all the things that are attached to your happiness. For when God is in the picture, good dreams never die. They're simply resurrected as something far different and far, far better.